Hello and welcome to How To Money, a financial education podcast for young Australians aimed at opening up the conversation around money. In each episode, your host, Kate Campbell, brings in a variety of guests to explore everything from buying shares to starting your own business, all with the aim of kickstarting your personal finance journey. Just a quick reminder that everything we cover in this podcast is for financial education purposes only, and we are not giving you any advice. If you do want advice, please seek the help of a qualified and competent professional and do some research. Remember, it's your money, so take control. Liz, thank you so much for joining me on the How To Money podcast today. Hi, Kate. It's so great to be here. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, we've had a few good chats before, so I'm really excited to dive into the topic of money and relationships today. And before we dive in, I'd love to know a little bit more about you and your background and what you've been doing in the world of financial well-being. Sure. Well, my background is in accounting and IT. So um, I'm a CPA and I spent really the first sort of 14 years working as a senior management accountant and business analyst in a lot of the top sort of ASX 100 companies here in Australia and the UK. So I've kind of worked across industries, government, airlines, and energy. And most recently, I've been teaching the past four years, teaching undergrads and postgrads at university, obviously the topics around management accounting. So I've been really loving that experience. But I guess alongside that sort of corporate career, I always had an interest in well-being. I studied nutrition on the side, did Reiki master, really interested in mindfulness, a lot of the Buddhist philosophies, to spend a lot of time in silent retreats and studying at monasteries. Uh, so I really had that kind of alongside my corporate career just as, a, as an interest and a part of me. And then so I guess once I sort of had children, I kind of had a bit of a pause and a, and a moment to stop. In that time where I had a little bit of time, I started writing about money and mindfulness and how you can really create more of a peaceful relationship with money. So I wrote for Wellbeing Magazine and that more recently now their sister magazine, Wellbeing Wild, um, really on those topics. And financial wellbeing really became a sort of a central area of passion for me. So alongside teaching at the university, I started my own little practice as a financial wellbeing practitioner, really focusing on helping support women with their relationship with money and um, helping them, I guess there's a number of elements which we'll probably talk about in terms of what does financial well-being mean. But I guess in terms of what I, I do in my work is to help support them, not only in sort of financial literacy areas, so helping to educate them on some of those basic finance and accounting tools so they feel confident and capable. But it's also, there's obviously the elements of psychology and decision-making and a lot of the I guess, individual beliefs around money, values, a lot of those things that obviously become intertwined into how we deal with money, what we do with it, how we spend it, how we invest it, how we share it. So really, really wonderful. I'm really enjoying that work that I do at the moment. And it's, I guess my business is in an early stage, but it's really starting to blossom nicely as, as it's becoming such a central focus for people as well. Mm, and I know when we spoke a few weeks ago, we were discussing how we love to talk about the facts of investing and what one should do, what one shouldn't. And we rarely think about the emotions and the behavior behind it and how that all impacts. And it has just as much of an impact, even more. And I'd love to start the conversation around where do you see the intersection between money and well-being lying? 
Great. And it's yeah, a wonderful question and certainly one that's becoming more topical too, which is fabulous. So we're seeing the word financial well-being a lot more now. We see it definitely related to, I know some of the banks and insurance companies, you'll see it used. And it's certainly an area that's still being researched. There's definitely the ideas and those more tangible financial oriented topics. Can you meet your expenses, that I guess they're some of the typical definitions of financial well-being is being able to manage your finances in those sort of more physical, technical sort of ways, meeting your basic financial needs, being able to have some sort of a sense of control over your finances. They're all some of the, the, the most common sort of things that are talked about in terms of financial well-being. But I guess for me, it was definitely more the emotional side that is really the things that lead to finance. They, they almost influence your financial well-being and they're, the, they're actually the elements that weren't talked about. So as you've just said perfectly, so it really is, we can talk about, it's really easy to talk about, yes, what, you know, investments and what returns they're getting and what are the different bank accounts and what are the mortgages. But it's all of the things that actually lead and feed into how you're feeling about your finances and the background, it's all of those background emotions are really what allowed somebody to sort of, I guess, self-evaluate as to whether they're feeling financially well or not. And you can take a really easy example. You could think of, you know, you may have a client who does have quite a positive financial situation, maybe they don't have any debt, they're in quite a good position, but they wouldn't actually describe themselves as being financially well because they suffer a lot of the psychological and emotional. They may have low self-worth. Maybe it's that they're not working, but their partner is. Maybe they have, you know, it could even be overspending challenges that they feel they actually judge themselves on a lot. And it's a lot of the stress associated with that that actually pulls away that sense of financial well-being. And you can contrast that to another client who may be actually in a situation that's on paper, you might think that's not very financially well, you know, they may have a lot of debt, but they've actually put together a plan to solve that and work towards overcoming that and working towards a positive financial future. And they've also talked about why it is that they got themselves into that situation. Why was it that they thought that they could spend recklessly and somebody would pick up the bill? You know, and maybe they had learnt that or seen that in some other part of their life. So they had actually done a lot of that work in understanding themselves and through that they're now in a better position. So it's a really complex and, and multifaceted area, but it's really, and I guess the piece that I like to, to sort of bring in is, yes, I've got the finance and accounting skills and background, but you've got to look at the emotional side and who is that individual person? What's their history with money? How did they see it being managed in their household? What is it that they value as well? What do you want to experience in this life? And that, and all of those things influence the decisions you make about money and obviously influence then your financial position as well. So yeah, it's really important that the the emotional piece. Mm. You've had a really interesting peek behind the curtain because these are conversations that none of us really have. Maybe I think more and more people are being are comfortable talking about investing. There's been a massive explosion in people uh, trying their hand at micro investing apps and giving that a go. But I still think talking about your money stresses and when things aren't going so well and your um, maybe areas that you aren't feeling that great in about your money, that's still very a taboo area. So it's, it's really interesting to hear behind the curtains here. 
<laughs> yes, and it, and it's like it's a, it's a hugely, and I guess that's what I I always acknowledge as well is how private the topics are, and how vulnerable people can feel talking about it. There are others though that feel quite open. It's an individual thing, and there's no one right or wrong. But allowing a space for people to talk about it openly and honestly, and I guess that's sort of leading into our conversation today, which is about relationships. And there's so many relationships where money isn't a topic, and that's not not it's not to say that that's such a what's everybody doing and criticizing, but it's not to be unexpected. Really, looking at the history that we've all had with money and talking about it, it, it was it's so common that it wasn't something that was talked about in the household. Yes, you might have talked, as you said, you know, you might might have sold something, or you might have bought something, or you might have bought shares, and, and you might talk about those things. But it's really those underlying factors that influence how you feel about the decisions you make about money and how you see your future and the things that you value. We really had an orientation to, I think, like a lot of things in life now as well, we always look to the outside, you know, to get an idea about the decisions we're making. Are they the right ones? And you look to your friends or you look to to people that you look up to, to try and I guess get a bit of feedback as to whether you're making the right decisions or not. We haven't actually been encouraged to really do that sort of self-reflection and really understand ourselves and what it is that we value and make sure that the decisions you're making are yours. And that's really important as well. Mm, Absolutely. And to kick off the conversation about money and relationships, it would be great to know why do you think it's so important to have open conversations with your significant other about financial matters? There's lots of reasons, but obviously what the significant ones are that if you've come into a relationship with someone and it's it's a committed long-term relationship, you're going to have, this, obviously you need to come together and be united in terms of what you want to achieve, what you want to do, maybe individually, but then also as a family or as, as a couple. And your financial resources play a really huge role in that. So it's it's almost like if you if you don't allow yourselves to have those conversations, you're missing out a little bit on that opportunity to really unite together and also to deepen, I guess that's the uniting of your resources and what you can do and thinking about your financial goals. But it also allows you to more deeply understand somebody as well. I think with conversations around money, we're very critical of ourselves and then we can be judgmental of others. And I really encourage people to try to be much more open and curious and loving, you know, if you're in an existing relationship, because it helps you to understand that person and where they're coming from and why they make the decisions that they do and help each other to understand each other. And only from there, you're going to become, you know, have a much happier life with that greater understanding, I think, and compassion that you have towards each other. Because mm, there's so often a, a backstory or something that's happened in someone's past or the way they were brought up that really impacts the way they make their financial decisions now. And so if you don't really explore and unpack that, it can make it really challenging to see where the other person's coming from, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and of course, like we all do, if, if you don't have an opportunity to understand all the detail, you'll make assumptions, you might interpret it and become resentful. But yeah, where you can be more open to just listening and taking the time to understand where someone's come from and support them through their own journey with money, you're going to be in much better, stronger position 
to come together and also manage your money together in a way that you that suits you. I guess that's probably one of the topics for us to look at today as well as how do people come together and and there definitely is no one set way. It's important to acknowledge that the way in which you do decide to manage your money together and talk about it does communicate something about your relationship as well. It's not to say that you have to always bring all of your money together, but in saying that, that does demonstrate commitment, obviously, in a long-term view. But I've had clients who have decided not to do that and they're still in a very strong, loving, committed relationship, but it's that they've understood where each other is coming from. Maybe they've had past experiences, which have made it difficult for them to where they may have lost money out of a relationship ending and they're fearful of that happening again and that they've, for them, it's better for them to keep things separate. And it's really being honest about, you know, what are those experiences that you've had? So to make sure that then the other partner isn't interpreting that as saying, well, you don't have any faith in our relationship. You don't think it's going to last. But if you can lovingly understand where that person is coming from, And it may be as well that as the relationship evolves, the way in which you manage and talk about your money will change too. That's also okay. So it's nice to make sure that you you know you can sort of check in with each other because you you, as as we all know, as we go through life, things pop up you didn't think perhaps would something maybe that you haven't had as something that would bother you in the past, but then it does. And to have somebody to talk to about is a huge benefit to having a strong and healthy relationship. Before we dive into some of the ways that you can actually have this open conversation and some of the questions to ask, I'd like to look at the the opposite of when people don't talk about money in their relationships, when they maybe feel shame or they have secrets that they don't share. And, and this doesn't necessarily have to be a partner relationship. It could be with your parents or your siblings. I know you've got some examples to share about how sort of these secrets and sort of hidden things about money that we don't feel comfortable share can really be quite toxic and really hurt our financial well-being. Absolutely. And I guess that's a really good demonstration too of how clearly your relationship with money impacts your well health and well-being. Having any area of your life, and this is another one of those anywhere where you're hiding things, there's so much stress associated with that. So if you're somebody who, even if you're somebody, you know, people laugh at themselves if they're a hoarder, but they can, that can have a negative effect as well. So even just the judgment of yourself that you think that there's something wrong with that, that you're going to carry that stress and try to hide it. And that obviously in itself creates a barrier between you and whoever it is, if it's your parents, your siblings, or a partner, there's going to be a barrier of judgment. Whereas if you could be And it's not that, you know, every partner that you have or every person, you need to tell them everything. It's working through who you're having a relationship with, how far through it is, how committed you are. But obviously, if you're in in a longer term relationship where hopefully there's a, a decent level of trust, being able to potentially heal some of these challenges that you have, if it's with spending or if it's with gambling or hoarding, the stress associated with those, with that is massive. Not only the mental health impact, which obviously can cause relationship conflicts, there's physical manifestations of that as well. So if you have an opportunity and there's, you can create a culture within your relationship where you can be supportive, non-judgmental, 
that's going to be hugely beneficial to the health of you, not only yourself, but the person that you're obviously having a relationship with. If it's, it's going to make that relationship with your parents so much stronger. And sometimes these things can be, there is a very common dynamic between children and, and parents and their relationship with money. We've watched them growing up, how they've managed it, not only on their own, but with, with their partner as well. And you take on some of that. There's some things that you might be resentful. (laughs) There's some things that you might find that you've also subconsciously taken on as your own habits as well. And if, if you can, being able to talk to your parents about that can be really a real opportunity for boosting your health and well-being as well because it can help you to understand why they made some of those decisions. So some of those things that you thought maybe you know, it didn't seem quite right at the time, you know, why did you do this and not that, that they can actually give you their backstory too. And then there's, you know, that real opportunity for for deepening that connection with them and understanding them as well. And it allows you to become much more conscious about that behaviour and not taking that behaviour and inheriting it necessarily from your parents and choosing to do something different. And I know one of the often harmful things, people might have a secret credit card debt, and that can be quite challenging bringing up that conversation in a relationship. Absolutely. And it depends on where you were at in your relationship too and how you want to approach it. Of course, if you're coming into a new relationship, some people, if they've, they've got to a place with their finances and they're owning where they are, which is a really healthy place to be, that they can actually look at their finances, they've laid it out, they know themselves where they are and they're entering into a new relationship, they may be quite open about that and say, okay, this is the debt that I've got, this is my plan for it. And it may even be that you're saying quite clearly that this is not something that we would join together ever, that this is something that I want to manage. But it does impact, you know, some of my decisions about I'm not going to be able to go on a big holiday in the next year or whatever it might be because I've got this priority. This is kind of my financial priority at the moment. And I think coming into a relationship, being honest about that, particularly if it's a committed one, it doesn't have to be on the first date. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bring out the credit card statement. Bring, up, very bring it all day. out. Yeah. <laughs> but in saying that, some, you know, you get, we all have different money personalities. So some people, depending on where they are, if they have got to that point, they may actually find that they're both at that same point where they've laid out all their finances, they know where they are, this is what I want to do. It's similar to, you know, having those early conversations about having children or how you, where you want to work. It's definitely better than hiding hiding things and somebody expressing, oh, I, I really want to do X. But you're saying, oh, yeah, we can do X, but knowing that you've got 50 grand in credit card debt and you're just not going to be able to do that in the next couple of years instead of carrying the stress around it and avoiding it and the other person then misinterpreting you avoiding that and not wanting to, you know, perhaps talk about that, that overseas trip. And they may think, oh, maybe they're not really into me as much. But if you can be open and say, well, this is, this is my priority. I need to focus my finances on this at the moment. That idea sounds brilliant. And I'd love to do that with you. But, you know, at this time, or, you know, it might need to be in two years time or something. So at least they know where you're coming from. I think most people are quite understanding. If you say, hey, this is what I'm working on. This is my goal. This is my priority. Here's the plan. I'm working towards it. So this is why I might not be able to do X, Y, and Z for the next year or two. Like people people usually understand that, don't they? Definitely, definitely. And I think as the other person listening to that, it actually can be really positive. You can feel like you're really supporting that person. It's another way for you to demonstrate 
that your love and care for that person. So you can help them to make decisions, supportive decisions to help them to achieve that financial goal. And that, yeah, that's a really positive thing. Whereas if you don't know that, you wouldn't even realize that you're encouraging them to do something that's really taking away from them achieving that goal. So yeah, it's really, yeah, really, really, I think it's really important to be as as open as you can and honest about where you are. You know, obviously we have a lot of, there's a lot of topics around our financial situations and our self-worth, like the financial position that you may be in or how much money you earn and exploring some of those topics as well can be really beneficial for a couple as as well because that obviously can drive a lot of dysfunctional behaviors as well and being able to separate some of your self-worth from that bottom line net worth figure but to also bring in I think when you come together as a couple to be able to not only look at your history with money some of the experiences that you've had but also acknowledge some of the skills like have a you know, almost like a strengths based you know, approach, skills that you have that you might not naturally think have anything to do with money, but that could be really helpful in your financial life. That can be really a really good uniting approach. And if you're thinking about establishing, you know, your own kind of money culture within you, within your family, you know, identifying, you know, you might even have a real, somebody who's a real creative and finances might not be something that they're naturally drawn to, but some of those creative problem solving skills are really helpful for a variety of, you know, financial decisions and acknowledging that and really supporting each other in in demonstrating where they might have a skill in one area that you can actually use that in your financial life as well and making it a much more of a positive experience. So it's not just the people who, you know, enjoy maths and adding everything up (laughs) that get the sort of the highlight. And often that happens in couples as well you'll see that person is really the dominant part of the the money in a relationship and it can then make somebody feel less capable. So it's really looking at what are all of your capabilities. Almost, you know, like when we come together as teams at work, you know, you're looking at all of the different skills and experiences people have had and that diversity, that can be so enriching for a relationship as well and your your financial life. Mm, I think that's a really, really good approach to take and really looking at everyone's skill sets. Now, I think this will probably be the bit of the episode that everyone really wants to listen to, (laughs) but let's say I'm in a new relationship. I'm three months in. I think it's going somewhere, but Apart from maybe who's who's paying for the bill or uh, who's who's paying for this event, we haven't really talked about money. If I want to start bringing up this conversation with my partner because I want to have a healthy relationship with money long term, and I think this is going somewhere, what are some of the questions I should be thinking about asking and bringing up? It's great, great question, and really good to be asking at that stage of a relationship too. So you know, compared to being in a long-term existing relationship and not having spoken about it. So obviously, I think you need to consider each individual person as well and their comfort level around money. And if you're somebody who's knowing that money is important and it's an important part of relationship and that you can sort of set, again, I keep talking about culture, but a a culture within you that's open to talking about it, it's probably wise to 
to just start the conversation in, I guess, some of the less sensitive topics as well, just to get an idea of even starting with how was money, how did they see money being managed in their family, some of that history sort of, which also helps you to understand each other about what you experienced, what your life was. And if you're in that early stage of relationship, you know, you want to learn everything about each other and you're just interested and, and you can bring in some of the, you know, there might be funny stories, you know, but even when you've shared that, you can then sort of start to understand how each other is with their own personal relationship with money. You could even say, well, do you manage it like your mum or your dad? You know, having heard that, how do you feel about it? Or it can help you to start to kind of slowly understand that. But obviously as well, in addition to getting some of that background understanding of what they've experienced already with money, always looking to the future too and understanding what it is that they would like to experience and achieve in this life. And, you know, money plays a big part in enabling those things. So how do they see that? What are they thinking in terms of, of their financial, financial life? And is it something that they, they also value and think is important to talk about as a couple? You know, try and get on the same page and see, and see where you are with it. Mm. And maybe even just talking about what are some of their short-term or long-term financial goals? Because you, I'd think that would give you a good idea of how they think about the short-term and the long-term and how they plan for things. Absolutely. Yes. And and also to be aware that sometimes those questions can also can cause defensiveness, particularly if you've got somebody who isn't particularly good at like you know, really clarifying their goals in very certain terms. But even if it's more looking at some of the things that they value or would like to experience, it doesn't necessarily say, right, what are your short-term goals? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe not in those exact words. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like an interview. To be And just to be mindful, I guess that's my, I'm always finding myself encouraging clients that this is a really it's a vulnerable space and you've got to know that it's where you need to use this softest language to really cultivate that culture of being able to talk about it compassionately and supportively with each other because the the most common reaction is for people to feel defensive and to be exposed because it's it's almost like it's it's revealing a part of them and am i good enough is am i doing this right and so that kind of thing will be will be likely to pop up and just to, re- to re- be reassuring that you're just wanting to understand what it is that you would like. So we, so you can kind of get that sense of whether there's an alignment. And that's really what you're trying to do, isn't it, in those, in those st- early stages as well. Is this somebody that's kind of got similar values to me? And also thinking, this is another from client experience, is that we have such beautiful diversity that people will come from different backgrounds, which will mean that money within the family has been used differently too. And it's really important to be aware of that, to know that for some cultures, you'll manage your money and it will all be about what are you going to provide in terms of looking after your children, if that's, you know, your orientation. But but for other cultures, it's also about looking after parents. And that this can also cause challenges sometimes down the track if you haven't been clear about where you see your money going and what it will support in your life. So that's a really important one to bring in there. And to think about and to just understand, is that something that obviously has been a part of that person's life? Is that what they would like to continue? And if it isn't, you know, there's there's potential points for, for challenge there as well, just to be aware of. Mm, I can definitely that loaning money and supporting other family members can be very contentious issue that 
I mean, I've I've seen a few ex- examples of that, and it's it can be challenging if both partners are on different sides of the fence, like say Absolutely. about whether that should be done. Yes, and 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 sometimes it's loans, but sometimes it's not loans, and it's actually giving money. That's just part of their culture to give money back, and that you wouldn't have it back. So, really, really important to to talk about. And as you can understand, you know, talking through it with somebody else can be very helpful too to just work through it. I think what's important too is is for a healthy relationship and to have to come together to have a healthy relationship with money usually coming together and uniting that this is, you know, that we're a team, these are our our resources that we have available to us and we get to decide what we're going to do with them. But what sits under that is also some personal goals as well. So you don't want to lose yourself and not be able to obviously fulfil some of what you wanted to as an individual. So you've, it, it's got to be a balance and, yeah, and talking through it and, being aware of all of those topics is really going to put you in the best best position. Mm. And let's say that you got into a relationship, you never really spoke about money. Maybe that's because one person kind of assumed like control of money or you just kept your finances separate and just didn't discuss it or neither of you really had much. So it just wasn't an issue. How do you, let's say the relationship's 10 years down the track and you've learned a bit about money and personal finance and you'd really start you'd really want to start bringing up that conversation in the relationship how do you broach this topic when there's so much water between the start and where you are now yeah and it can definitely be challenging particularly if there's something that's not been spoken about and particularly if there is if both of you or one of you does have things that you're hiding again you know with that the stress that's related with the you, you're not going to be very open to wanting to to share but hopefully by that stage as well you're in a trusting relationship as I said and you and you are united with a view to living life together if that is your view and hopefully from there you you can see the benefit of coming together and not necessarily as I shared earlier it doesn't have to be that you have to bring all of your money together. But being able to at least be open about the decisions that you are making and why you're making them to the benefit of of your relationship and how you see it being healthy is really important because, as I said, if you you don't talk about it, there can be resentments and things can be misinterpreted. And there can also be people, one person suffering perhaps a situation with their finances. And if you've got the scenario where someone's taken the dominant role, You've also got some, for the other person, you'd hope by that stage you'd sort of mature in your view that you'd want to look after each other. And with that sort of perspective, making sure that you both knew what was happening with your finances, um, how they were managed, how much you actually had, like actually look at what your financial position is so that if for whatever reason if somebody did pass away, that wouldn't cause a massive stress for the other person. Um, so being able to be on the same page and, and and understand your financial life together is really important. And again, here historically, you know, that has happened. Females have been left out of that conversation a lot as well. But really important that they and it's not always that they've they've been that they sometimes assume that role. Sometimes they don't want to be involved as well. And it's even that they're not interested. They just want it to be managed. Again, I'd really encourage people to think about also taking some responsibility for their financial life as well if they're in a partnership because they they also play an important role and it may be that someone might structure the you know you might 
someone who puts the Excel spreadsheet together or whatever it is and actually structures it. But you need to come together to think about the decisions that you're going through, the investment decisions, and how you're, you're choosing to spend your money, all of those kind of topics. So I guess in short, that to acknowledge that if you haven't spoken about it for such a long time, that it can potentially be challenging and to acknowledge that to begin with. And if it's being initiated by one person and you're feeling like, no, I really want to just talk about this and make sure that we're on the same page, just to acknowledge that and to know that that both parties can feel uncomfortable, but that you're wanting to talk about it to really not to cause conflict, but to really deepen the connection that you have and also the achievement of the goals that you want to, to experience together. And the best way to do that is by being able to talk about it and also identify if you need external assistance, um, you know, of a financial advisor, accountant, whatever it is, you may only have so much information. Maybe one person's feeling like they should know everything and they're trying to keep it all going, but they're carrying a lot of stress about that and they don't want to share it with the other partner. There's such a variety of things that could be going on, but just getting to that point where you can sit down and talk about and obviously choose the the moment and the time and in a time when you're both relaxed and you've got time to talk about it is obviously important, not when you're someone's heading out, rushing off to something or whatever it is. Those things are also really important to, to make sure that we're in our best sort of emotional state as well. When you see um, couples and clients, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see they make when it comes to communicating and maybe listening or not listening about financial issues? Well, the biggest number one is avoidance, and that's probably the lack of communication. So that's 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 really the number one, definitely. It's a mistake for what we've we've already talked about. You're merely missing out on that opportunity to unite together as a team, but also to help heal some of those other stresses or you know, almost more more toxic habits, perhaps. There's a you know, a number of, of really benefits to, to making sure that you're not avoiding it. I guess another thing that's quite common, as I've shared already, is that people do, even when you first, I guess it's a, it's a, it's a, such a sensitive topic, people will most likely be defensive and defending the way they are with their money. And usually because they're, they've already probably judged themselves so much over the years. And I guess knowing that can be quite helpful when you approach the topic with your partner, knowing that they're probably most likely feeling quite vulnerable. There's not too many people that feel overly confident <laughs> when it comes to their financial life and situation. So, so knowing that can help the way in which you do communicate and to make sure that you're being supportive and, and at first just creating space to, to listen, just listen to what they've experienced and why and and how, how that's evolved and what they want to do about it, how they're feeling about it, instead of just arguing or, you know, straight going straight into conflict and saying, well, why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? You should have done this. You should have done that. Um, to try and try and approach the subject because it's so loaded. There's so much. And again, you may have also seen that occur in your household that real conflict around money might be something that you've seen. And that could be one of the main reasons why you're avoiding talking about it yourself. So either you saw there was conflict or it was a source of conflict or that it wasn't talked about. So they're the two most common kind of experiences people will have in their, their sort of childhoods looking, looking at how money was, was dealt with. I guess knowing that, knowing that someone's going to be quite defensive and even yourself, 
you know, you're probably likely to feel defensive about the way that you do things and vulnerable. There's always things that we can improve, but to be as open and honest as you can be. If it is that you do have trouble at particular emotional points, you know, your triggers, if you had a stressful week or you're in lockdown again and you want to just help yourself feel a bit better, you go and buy whatever it is. <laughs> Even just having that self-awareness is the, is the first brilliant step to then looking at solutions to how you might might change it. Mm, and I know how much people say, oh, most people around you, they're just sort of figuring out it out as they go along and no one's really got it all together. You're usually seeing the highlight reels. I think that really applies to finance as well because most of us have some sort of shame or embarrassment in the past, whether it's credit card debt, whether it was a really stupid impulse purchase, whether it was like spending money nonstop for five years when we realized, hey, we could have worked towards a different goal, whether it's getting scammed. I think there's everyone's got something there. So it's important to realize like we're not perfect and everyone, even the financial experts have got things in their past that they're not as proud or sort of they might be a bit more embarrassed about. And that's really normal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's no one way, there's no perfect either. And that's, and I think it's you finding that the perfect for you as a couple is really important. Find, and it's, and you're probably not going to have perfect, but finding a way that it's going to work for you. And I guess in saying that, yes, we, and we do, you know, and it's, and it's a psychology thing that we, we always stick to the negative. We are more likely to think about the negative associations with money. Um, that's just the way the brain works. But to also, where possible, what I often try to encourage couples to do is also to look at and share things that they're proud of in terms of their money. So, um, yes, of course, you know, look at some of the things that you've experienced that you can learn and grow from, but to be aware of the things. And and you're probably less likely to to share those, although some people are. They're like, oh, I invested in this and made this amount of money, but you don't know how much they've lost as well. Um, Don't usually share that as easily. (laughs) No. Um, but but in 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 the you know in the, the the connect the space with your partner, if you can you know have that that honest relation honest relationship and and identify those those and they can be really small things, but little things that you can be proud of decisions that you've made, and some of them can be hard decisions if you're presented with career options and different jobs and taking one that maybe didn't earn as much money, but the joy and the impact that you felt that you could make in another one. That's a hard decision to make, but that you made that and you, you'll you only know yourself that that was the right decision for you. So yeah, and and or even, you know, obviously sharing money is always a, a really wonderful way to use your money as well over making that choice perhaps to give money to the busker instead of, you know, run in and get, you know, another chocolate bar to make yourself feel better. You know, there's sometimes we have those little points where we do make decisions that we can be really proud of. And that's important to share as well. Awesome. Well, Liz, to round out this wonderful conversation today, is there anything left that you want to leave my listeners with today? Um, no, I think we've covered so much and I hope that that's been helpful for people to hear and to reflect on in terms of their own relationship. The only, I guess the last, we've touched on it a little bit, obviously there, you, you, we did talk a bit about the relationship with parents and also with your partners, but there, I guess a growing area as well of interest is how we talk about money with our children and what that's like. And that's another really important topic to think about as well. And just to remember that just like us, kids aren't getting a lot of financial literacy education at school. And to know that how you talk about 
money with your partner if it is that you have children or you might have nieces and nephews or you might just be, you know, a surrogate parent to the the next door neighbor. You might just be a role model. That it's another way to, I guess, bring some of the positive feelings around money and I guess the importance of it and and and, and really thinking of it more in sort of um, being able to sort of pass on some nicer ways of of approaching money to the next generation. So showing them that you can talk about it, being somebody that can listen and um, help them to reflect about how they're making their spending choices. Maybe they bought something and they regret it. And instead of just beating themselves up internally, just talk them through that and, and what that might mean for the future. And then what next? Could they take it back or could they sell it? You know, to try and not bring so much burden to a lot of these financial topics for kids to make it something that you can talk about. And obviously always encouraging saving as well is a big one for kids, which is a nice thing. So yeah, just to, to, to know that there's there's obviously a whole range of relationships that we have and money does impact those, but we can have a really positive role in those relationships with our finances. Sounds like I'll have to get you back yeah. on the show to talk about money and <laughs> kids and having better conversations there. Because <laughs> it's obviously one that comes off up up a lot as well, and then the next one will probably be businesses. So alongside, we've got so many beautiful women out there who are starting their own passion projects and businesses alongside what they already do. And a lot of my clients, I'll be helping individually with money, but then it obviously overlaps into their small business as well. Because a lot of what we do with our money personally, we'll see we're making some of those decisions with our own business. So yeah, really interesting to see how that that works as well. Well, Liz, if people want to get in touch with you or learn a bit more about what you do and what you offer, where should they go? My website's probably the best place. It's lizmcclarty.com. It's pretty straightforward. And yeah, I'd love to hear from anyone. If you've got any questions, just reach out via my website. Be fabulous. Wonderful. Well, I'll certainly include that in the show notes. And Liz, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise and providing some really good reflection points for listeners in today's episode. Oh, it was a pleasure. So nice chatting with you, Kate. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the How To Money Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and send any questions our way via www.howtomoney.online. You can also catch us on Twitter and Instagram at howtomoneyaus and we'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to the How To Money Podcast.